Is it really that hard to actually dream big? Well, I myself just met an entrepreneur, well, his name is Mark Haney, as you're going to find out, that wants to build a whole town. And, I mean, no joke. He's also hosted the Mark Haney show, which I think you, you, you probably would have heard. I've heard it a lot of times and I watched it a bit. I mean, I loved it. And also, serial entrepreneur, angel investor, and all this stuff. But, the most importantly, someone who dares to dream big. And in today's call, I wouldn't say that I'm going to present you his full, his full potential, but I would, but I will remind you how how humble we all begin by sharing your sto- a, a his story with you, which by the way is an amazing story. And all, all I want from you guys is just to take away that there is no one path to success, and you should dream big. You don't believe me? We'll listen to that interview, and you're going to find out why and how. See you soon, my network. Uh, all right. Okay, Mark, I want to say one big welcome to the show and thank you for being contributed to our podcast. As you see, we have the strange tradition of doing intros as we do the podcast, not only. So, you know, that's kind of strange. So, sorry if you're not familiar with that tradition because, you know, hey, we're a strange uh, podcast. Hey, Nicola, Nikki, does it sound yeah. like we have a bad, does it sound like we have a bad connection to you? No, Are you not okay? really. Okay, okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. And yeah, I would love to talk more about you today. So, first of all, I want to know the most interesting thing about yourself. What's the thing that you think makes you unique? Well, I think uh, a lot of things probably make me unique. I think uh, one of the things is I've lived in the same area my whole life. I live in Sacramento, uh, in the Sacramento region, which is a... Uh, the capital of California. I've lived in this town my entire life. It's actually a, a suburb of California, or excuse me, of Sacramento. So I've lived here my entire life, and I think a lot of people, they end up moving around, but I've stayed here my entire life. My grandson plays Little League on the same Little League field that I played on and that I coach my son on, and so I'm building uh, my businesses and my family unit all in uh, in the same general area where I grew up, and I love my hometown, and a lot of people will end up uh, moving away. And I've decided to stay here and, and reinvest my, uh, I guess, all my efforts and resources here in my hometown. Hmm. Well, I want to know about you, though. You, you know, you said that you want, you have grandsons already? Yes. I'm 56. I have uh, two grandsons and a granddaughter. There are six, seven, and eight. Interesting. So why don't we go back in time and talk about how you build this family and, you know, your business. I want to know your full story. So let's start from your childhood. What yeah. was the child, the, the child mark? The child mark was uh, playing sports, had uh, three, or excuse me, two brothers and a sister, uh, all one year apart. So, in fact, in high school, we were all, you know, all in high school at the same time. I had a uh, paper route when I was young. I guess that was probably my first step into entrepreneurship is having a paper route. And ultimately, I sold my paper route. I created an auction and it actually sold my paper route. So I had a little bit of an entrepreneurial mentality as a kid. But uh, more than that, I, I played sports. As I got into high school, I threw a lot of parties and um, 
I wasn't the best student, although my brothers and sisters were all straight A's, so I was sort of the, uh, I guess, the black sheep, if you will, more of the C student uh, growing up. But uh, it was a great childhood, uh, raised by uh, uh, good parents, owned a TV shop, so my dad was an entrepreneur, and so I think uh, my mom and dad, they really gave me a great example to, to live by. Do you refer yourself as a different kind of entrepreneur like your father, or you have really a lot in common with him? I would say I'm a lot different than my dad. My dad was very intense, had a very tough upbringing, and uh, he, it left him sort of um, with this, uh, you know, kind of highs and lows in his personality. I'm less, I'm, I have a lot of energy, but I don't, I don't think I had the lows that my, that my dad experienced. So I'm a little more even keeled um, with, uh, with a more of a, you know, kind of a positive nature, generally speaking. So I think from a personality standpoint, we're quite a bit different, but he was driven and I'm driven. So I think in that way, we're pretty similar. So I, I want to know when you start. So basically you run a TV shop, I believe. So uh, when did you start that TV shop? Like at which, which like part of your life? Yeah. So my dad owned the TV shop and I started working for him when I was 12 and the summer going into sixth grade. And I worked, we worked 40 hours a week, which is full time out here. Uh, and then in, I worked on the weekends as well uh, during the summer. So, uh, uh, you know, I started off kind of working in the family business when I was out of high school. My brothers and sisters, uh, they weren't working in the family business anymore. We, we decided, my dad and I uh, decided to turn it into some video stores and ultimately we recruited my brothers back in to buy the video stores from my mom and dad. And so as a, as a, in my mid twenties, me and my brothers owned some video stores and ultimately my younger brother and I bought the video stores from my older brother. He, he owned a chunk too. So we ended up with video stores and then we moved to uh, a security business and grew the security businesses and ended up selling them several years later. And what, how do you think, you know, was your father okay that you weren't the best student in school? Was my father okay? Could you repeat that? Yeah. So was your father okay with your academic performance in school? Or did he want you to become like more academic based, you know, performer to earn, you know, good grades? Neither one of my parents, um, set super high expectations of me personally on my grades. Um, I think as, uh, as a younger student, yes, there was generally an expectation to do a good job. And I think I got good grades. And then when I got into high school, I slipped a little bit. I was focusing more on sports and um, social life, girlfriends, things like that. So I think my mom and dad were sort of okay with that at some level because I think we all have gifts that are different. And my mom, especially more than my dad, sort of embraced the fact that I was more socially active than, uh, you know, than academically focused, more, I was more socially focused. I think my mom embraced that. I think she thought that that was okay, that I was a little bit more free spirited as long as I didn't get into trouble. So yeah, I think that they, uh, both my parents, uh, I think 
they liked the fact that um, that I had a you know a, a a really strong social life. So I was lucky to have that uh, open uh, I guess open relationship with my mom and dad. And so when did you when did you think that it came like you know your business drive to actually create something your own you know to to explore new things outside the family business and the environment? Well, I think my younger brother and I we had the uh, we had the paper route together, and then I think as we got older, he and I uh, locked arms very very closely in growing our businesses. So uh, my brother, I think my younger brother inspired me. We, uh, I think we inspired each other. I'm more of the dreamer of the family, and he's a little bit more of the uh, organizer. And so I think together we made a good team, and we wanted to uh, do things together that could that could make an impact um, on our on our friends and on our uh, and on our family. As and so when you started, you know, doing it on your own. Like, you know, you said that you didn't make, like, such ups and downs, uh, ups, uh, I mean, downs like your father, but which were the biggest failures you've experienced as you were starting out? I think as I was starting out, we had, uh, well, the way we got into the business is we loaned a, a guy some money, and he could not pay us back. We owned the, vi we had 12 video stores, uh, they were video rental stores, and so before, uh, you made, I'm sure you don't remember that, but there's video rental stores, and they were popular in the uh, in the 80s and 90s and uh, in 92 we loaned a guy some money uh, our video stores were doing okay and we loaned a guy some money and he couldn't pay us back and that was devastating for us he filed bankruptcy but inside the bankruptcy uh, he had this small company uh, and we took that company out of bankruptcy and that was actually the company that we ended up growing and so what 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 started off as a, a very big failure that almost put us out of business ended up being a, a great pivot from video stores, which are now obsolete, to uh, to going into video security, which is still thriving today. Even though we sold our companies, the video and security industry, uh, that, that does well. Surveillance cameras and uh, security cameras ended up being uh, a real growth opportunity for us. So Anyway, we almost went out of business uh, being uh, very leveraged, highly in debt, and, um, and then we, uh, we figured out a way to work our way out of it. And do you think that a, a lot of your success is based on, you know, that you were, uh, you know, being like taught in an entrepreneurial family, or you're like, you know, you learned most, most of the stuff yourself? I think... I learned my philosophies about winning and about picking myself back up, you know, after I've gotten knocked down. I think I learned a lot of that by uh, my parents, from my parents, and I think it was partially because they were entrepreneurs, but I think a lot of it was just the way they raised us. So if my brother and I or my sister and I weren't getting along, my parents would actually let us fight. They didn't try to break up the fights. They uh, they said fight it out and the stronger would survive and we sort of learned the pecking order based upon uh, our ability to uh, protect ourselves uh, and so on. So our parents really gave us some freedom on that and I think that that breeds um, a real understanding of self awareness and that uh, how to fight 
how to stand up for what you believe in and when not to stand up for what you know when to uh, back down and when to uh, when to throw a punch and I think some of those basic instincts you learn from your parents and the way they raise you I learned a lot of that on the football field and on the baseball field from coaches that uh, made us work hard in order to uh, uh, get playing time or make the team or, or make all stars and things like that uh, make the all league uh, th- these are things that were that happened on the football field and baseball field in many cases I think those things really shaped my ability to understand what competition is and how to compete and how to push myself and how to drive others. Because I think in, in, in my businesses, I think the key to us winning has really been other people. The key has been being able to build great teams and inspire others to sort of run through the brick wall alongside me. And it really wasn't my knowledge necessarily. It was really the experience associated with getting along with other people and working in a team? Well, I think, you know, I want to know exactly how you built your dream team. Like, you know, what is the mechanic behind, you know, building a successful team? Do you need to pick experts or do you need to train people to become experts? Well, the way I did it, uh, when I say I, I mean me, we, um, we, began hiring our high school buddies to work in our video stores. And as we got into uh, the security business, we hired the best of the best from our video stores and went back into our high school uh, friends and even some of the people that, uh, that we knew outside the business and we recruited them into the business. None of them were experts in video security we, we always stayed away from the, uh, the high-priced free agent experts and always went with the people that we trusted, the people that we knew could commit, the people that had the right level of humility, all those um, almost intangible aspects of, uh, of the people that we knew, we recruited them. And then those, I think that was a great way to build the foundation of a leadership team because if you have... For me, the, the inner circle of your team is key, and you want them, more than being experts in a certain line of work, for me, being uh, committed, being humble, being team-oriented, wanting the team goal more than they wanted individual goals. Those were really the keys to, uh, to winning and to, uh, I guess, acquiring uh, more teammates. Ultimately, we had, in one of our business, we had about 300 employees and these, uh, it would not have, we would not have been working together as a team if I wouldn't have recruited really good friends and really good just people more than experts uh, to, to, run, to run the business. So by saying, you know, becoming a more team-oriented, like, what do you mean by that? I mean, you know, some people who are, let's say, you know, are great, you know, team players, they suck at what they do, like, were you the best out of your team, so you were that team-oriented, or you were just like the most positive one? I always, uh, I, I wasn't the biggest guy on the team, typically. I wasn't typically the most athletic, although I was, I was pretty good. Um, especially when I got onto all-star teams, I was probably fairly average on an all-star team. Uh, high school football team, I, you know, I was usually one of the better players, if not the best on my team, but I think more 
of what made me a good player is that I was a hard trier. I, uh, I probably put in the extra effort. Once I, I really learned that extra effort on the side could, uh, could make me faster, could make me stronger, um, I began to, to do that. I began to do the extra work on the side to make me a little bit better player. And I think that understanding of uh, putting in extra work on my own uh, really went a long way at making me a little bit better player. And I think, um, I think I, you know, my, my daughter and I have a, a saying, the harder you work, the luckier you get, which I think is a common phrase, but I really believe that. I think the harder you work, the better chance you have of discovering opportunity, a better chance you have of getting recognized for, uh, for your performance. And I think people want to be around other people that are committed. So it's uh, what I've lacked in talent, I made up for in, uh, in effort and energy. And I, I never had a shortage of uh, stick-to-itiveness and commitment um, where I did probably have a little bit of a shortage or maybe in some cases a, a great shortage in talent. So it was my good fallback as I could always be a hard trier. So, you know, you said that you were always putting the, you know, the maximum effort you can. But how did you keep going even when you like, felt like you need to quit? Like, what is your philosophy on that? How do you keep going when you actually think you are going to quit soon? Good question. I, I would say I'm a hard trier, but I also, especially the older I've got, my mom would have never let us quit any of our sports. It's interesting that you can, uh, you can play whatever you want to do, but you can never quit. And I think I'm that, I'd say somehow that's innate. I've been married 34 years. Uh, I have, my friends are the people that I grew up with uh, and that I played Little League with and I played football with. These are still my friends today. So I have this uh, unique philosophy about holding on to the good things in my life and not burning bridges, never quitting on things that... uh, that I love. And if I do need to pivot or change, I always think of it as attacking from another direction. I don't think of it as quitting. I think of it as trying something new um, to achieve the same goal. So I guess I'm lucky that way that I, I was raised in a way that uh, quitting was not, you know, was not an option. And I, I somehow uh, have uh, embraced that as part of my personality. And so uh, my, and I, I think that I call it insane commitment. I think insane commitment breeds uh, insane commitment from others. So people commit back to me because I've committed to them. And it's, uh, it's a unique, uh, uniquely magnetic force. So uh, how do, so basically, you know, sometimes our environment determines some of our success. But how do you think even people with bad environment, quote unquote, uh, can, you know, still succeed? How can they get that resilience, you know, willing to not quit? Um, Well, I think for me, once I say something out loud, once I make a goal public, like my latest goal is um, I have this vision of having 100 millionaire business partners in my backyard. I'm an investor here in Sacramento. I I'm relentlessly local on my investments, which is really a, a unique 
uh, angel investment uh, thesis. I invest only in my hometown and relentlessly local. And my goal is to have a hundred millionaire business partners in my backyard. And so we had our, uh, and I that all love one another, that all want to help one another succeed. So they, they'll each help one another and create synergy in our hometown uh, in, in, as far as entrepreneurship goes. So um, I, I think I think that philosophy is unique, but I think when I say that out loud, when I state that publicly to you or on my podcast or to my team, then uh, then I'm more committed because I've said it now. It's not just uh, something I hold inside me as as a an interesting idea or of a as a uh, kind of a quasi goal, okay goal or you know a, a somewhat committed goal. It's now I've said it publicly. Now I've written it on my wall, and now I feel more invested and more committed because I've told other people, and other people are beginning to build their lives around my vision, and I can't let them down. I would feel horrible if I broke, uh, if I changed my vision after other people have been investing alongside me or putting their faith in me, I can't quit. There's too many too many other people that I've already committed to and that are relying on me. So it's, it's almost impossible for me to quit now. Um, it's, uh, I'm committed. I'm, uh, I've put my money and my uh, words where my town is. I like to say I put my money where my town is, but I mean, now that I've begun doing that, I would feel horrible if, uh, for some reason I couldn't complete my, my vision. How do you pass that your, how do you pass your vision and like mentality to your kids? How would you pass it all the way to your grandsons and you know granddaughters, you know grandchildren and all? Yeah, interesting. Um, storytelling. I believe in stories. I think my grandchildren uh, at six, seven, and eight. I uh, I make videos for them for their birthdays and I rewrite the songs. I, I do a, a a video overlay of. Uh, of of them growing up, I've, I've done. I'm working on my third one right now for my granddaughter Riley. She's going to turn nine, so I did what it, when she was three, when she was six, and when she was nine. And I've done that for my grandsons too, are a little younger. And I I try to tell the story of their life and incorporate it sort of through my life through uh, 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 music. And I change the uh, I change the words of the song. I basically write my own song and have my buddy. Uh, John Booza, he sort of plays the song, and it tells the philosophies that uh, uh, that I believe in through storytelling, and they're seeing the story of their own life on video. They love to watch the videos of themselves, but somehow I, I found a way to sort of incorporate some of our philosophies, uh, some of the things that I believe in, is I tell them a story about themselves, so they're sort of interwoven into the story. But with my own children, the old they're now 31 and 33, um, they've heard the stories of me growing up and, uh, and understanding uh, things on the, on the ball field and, and through entrepreneurship. So they have definitely heard my stories. And I hope they pass it along to their kids as they become more ready to hear it. And I think uh, one of the things I'm doing is I'm, I'm building a town called Haneyville. My last name is Haney. And we have 72 acres of... Uh, five minutes from my office and we're building out a family compound and it feels like a town. It, uh, I call it Haneyville because it's an old winery 
and we're going to build, my son has already moved out there. We're going to build a house for my daughter and for, uh, for my wife and I, and we're going to move out there. And I think that, um, that, that ability to, uh, spend time with your grandchildren, spend time with your children. In our case, we're going to live very, very close to one another. We already live within five minutes driving distance, but we're actually going to live on the same 72 acres in Haneyville. And I think that's going to have us have a chance to, uh, to build family traditions beyond, uh, beyond family. Today we do family dinner on, on Sundays uh, when we can, but these traditions on Christmas and on Thanksgiving and holidays, other holidays, um, and the family dinners and the living close together and the, uh, the constant day-to-day communications, these are so powerful in, uh, in shaping the philosophies of, uh, of my grandchildren and my kids and, and handing down from one generation to the next uh, sort of this way of thinking around achievement and around loving, you know, family first, friends second, and uh, and obviously uh, this uh, deep appreciation for our hometown of Sacramento. So this kind of time, you know, with the true building would be the legacy, you know, you're going to live for the next, like, decades. Is that your big goal to leave, you know, this town's a legacy? Yes, I wa- right now Sacramento being the capital, we're a government town. So our uh, our town is known for it's the state capital of California, and there is a sort of a uh, government bureaucratic philosophy that sort of uh, I guess runs through our town. We're about 90 minutes away from San Francisco and the Silicon Valley, where it's uh, uh, very entrepreneurial, right, with the high tech. Um, and my my goal is really to get uh, Sacramento thinking more entrepreneurially. I want to, uh, I always say it's my mission to ignite an entrepreneurial revolution right here in the hometown that I love. Um, and so that mission, I think is beginning to, uh, uh, I guess, show signs of life. We're, we're, we have the Sacramento Kings basketball team that has decided to stay here. Uh, in a few days, we'll likely be uh, designated a major league sports franchise in, SAC, in soccer, uh, which I, I'm an, an investor in. And I think as, as major league sports franchises commit to Sacramento, uh, it's really causing development in Sacramento, along with some of the messaging that I'm doing with my events and my podcast and my investing and, and other people's investing as well. A lot of other people are investing in Sacramento as well. We're, we're sort of igniting uh, angel investors and, and igniting investment and commitment into entrepreneurship right here in our hometown. And I do think we can change Sacramento from being this uh, government bureaucratic cow town to being more of an entrepreneurial town that really takes uh, takes into its own hands our, our future. Uh, because I think so many times uh, when it's just ran by the government, uh, it's it's less likely to to thrive. We're you know those people in Sacramento, and I think in all walks of life that that sort of uh, they're they're working for the weekend and they're they're playing for their pension instead of trying to build great things and change the world and and drive uh, great opportunity for others and I think that's what entrepreneurs do in a way that that so many other people uh, can't really comprehend and I think when you have a philosophy of hey I just uh, want to work my 40 hours and uh, and get off work and and, uh, you know, hopefully one day I get a pension. That's a mentality that doesn't 
that isn't going to change the world to any great extent. It's the people that want to design new products and and make life easier for us and and figure out answers to uh, problems that uh, that uh, that exist in today's world. I mean, you think all the major problems in today's world, uh, crime, um, you know, entrepreneurs are the answer. Our education system and and you know the schools—they're just not what they were when uh, when I was a kid. Well, entrepreneurs are the answer. You think about the disease and and the and the and the things that are happening with our health and society, and it's like entrepreneurs are the answer. And I don't think that entrepreneurs thrive in, a, in an environment where everybody's working for the weekend and playing for the pe- pension and kind of running, doing through, going through the motions. It's only when we have uh, an opportunity for upside and an opportunity for greatness do we really uh, find that there is greatness. So like what you're doing with this podcast as a young person is amazing to me. When I, uh, when I heard about your uh, age and you uh, the interviews that you're doing with these people that uh, are doing great things in our world, I was so impressed. I had to jump on here with you and uh, you know I'm just I'm amazed by that. but that doesn't happen with a government bureaucratic mentality. It happens because you're an entrepreneurial person. It's because you want to do something that nobody else is doing and that's what makes society great. I think it's part of what makes America great. Yeah. Well, Mar- Mark, one of the founding fathers of the new Sacramento, sounds like a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Founding well, fathers of the new Sacramento. Wow. Uh, you have a marketing, uh, obviously you have uh, marketing chops. I, I really like that uh, that tagline. I'll see if I can uh, get myself to, uh, get my, my friends to adopt that. <laughs> awesome. So let's talk more about now as we're wrapping this up on how how you do you want your kids to pursue kind of your path, you know, just to pursue like your entrepreneurship path or you will be okay if they're like going, you know, employee or like artist kind of thing. Um, I think as long as uh, my kids and my grandkids are happy and healthy, I'm good. I, I'm good with that. Both of my children, my son is 31, he is an entrepreneur, my daughter is 33, and she is an entrepreneur. My son, uh, after uh, after college, or about halfway through college, he quit and he went into the uh, Marine Corps, and he was actually shot in Afghanistan in the leg. Uh, he earned a Purple Heart, um, and he's a war hero. He came back, started a, an industrial supply business, and he's... Uh, He's going through the uh, the battles of entrepreneurship now. He's back uh, as a civilian, so I'm very proud of my son. I'm, fr- I'm proud of his courage, uh, his sacrifice. Um, and now that he's uh, a father and an entrepreneur, I'm I'm really loving watching him develop. So I'm uh, I guess I'm very proud of what he's doing. And my daughter, also a, a fine parent, the mother of two children. And she's built a, a real estate company that uh, ended up selling, and she's now part owner of uh, a very large real estate franchise with over 200 agents, uh, very large in terms of uh, the Sacramento area. So she's really doing well. She's 33. She will be the here in our town. We have uh, an association of realtors with uh, I think uh, a few thousand realtors, 
and she will be the youngest president ever of the uh, the Placer County Association of Realtors here in our area because she's 33 and she's so she's leading this uh, this group of thousands of realtors. So I'm very proud of both of my kids. Not only are they great parents, but they have uh, they're chasing a dream, and so um, I think they're happy. And I think they're uh, engaged, and I think that they believe in uh, and, and kind of what we do, what I'm doing uh, at Haney Biz, they're doing in their own businesses as well. And so we're locked arms in a in a unique way, uh, not only uh, at home uh, with the family compound at Haneyville, but here in building businesses as well. Well, it seems like you know, you know that family is something you no know, everyone would want to. But that's where we know ending this. And there are listeners who still want to know more about you. I want to know exactly how we can connect with you. So why not share with us your contact info, Mark? We'll love yes. to connect with you further. Yeah, so uh, you can fi- find me on social media at the Mark Haney, M-A-R-K-H-A-N-E-Y, the Mark Haney. Um, so find me on LinkedIn, follow me on Instagram, um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can, uh, you can, uh, the name of my website is haneybiz.com, H-A-N-E-Y-B-I-Z.com. So I have some of my, uh, uh, business stuff on that. And, uh, yeah, I would look forward to, uh, meeting any entrepreneurs out there, anybody who wants uh, help in growing their business. That's kind of what I do. My business is all around backing hometown entrepreneurs. And do you think, uh, okay, so let's say, you know, my listeners connect with you, but, you know, you want to say to them something for the end before they leave the, leave this interview. So what do you think they should do in order to not, like, repeat, you know, some brutal mistakes? Like, what is your advice to them? What do you yeah. want them to do different than others? The one thing that uh, I think I, I talk to thousands of entrepreneurs with my podcast and with my events and. And I, and I think I've made this mistake myself a little bit. I'm a dreamer. I call myself the chief dreaming officer here in my company. And I, I think one of the things that we do is we set our goals and our dreams too low. We, uh, we hope that we double in size when really it's possible that we could be 10 times or 100 times bigger than we are today. So I guess I would encourage all of your listeners, our listeners to think a little bit bigger. And for me, when I set this big, ridiculous dream, like uh, igniting an entrepreneurial revolution in my hometown of Sacramento, 100 millionaire business uh, partners in my backyard, these dreams seem really uh, big to, uh, to me even, almost impossible. But for me, that's what motivates me. I'm more motivated personally because I set wildly, ridiculously big dreams. And I, and I think, I would wish that for other people too. I, I, I'm motivated at 56. A lot of people are starting to wind it down and uh, want, think about retirement and, and fading off into the sunset. But for me, because my dreams are still so big, I still feel like, uh, I think it's part of what gives me gas in the tank. It's story, it gives me energy to have these enormous goals. And so I would wish for all your listeners to, to consider their goals and don't be shy, don't be afraid to to make them very very large i think it'll pay dividends in the end love it i really like that advice be the dreamer now the pessimist and all that i i'm just so into it so yeah i'm just going to say i agree because i can talk for it for hours and we know we're all, we're all gonna get bored and <laughs> yeah 
Anyways, Mark, that was an awesome interview. We hope one day we are going to meet again. Of course, I, I would love to stay in touch with you because, you know, we would like getting some old guests on our new shows because getting back to the past, analyzing it, and just, you know, bringing the people that impacted your life is one of, one of, I believe, our key priorities. And it should be our key priorities. Never look in the past, but, def- but definitely learn from it. Anyways, so we're wrapping this up. We wish you an amazing day, and we hope we were really great because yes. you were great today, man. Uh-huh. Thank you, Nikki. Hey, Nikki, you did a great job with this interview, getting me to talk about myself and get vulnerable. Uh, nice job. You've got a, uh, a great, great future ahead. Thank you, Mark. I'm sure we all do, and I'll see you next time. Okay, thank you.